Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship pod here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Week zero is in the books. We got some real football to talk about. We're not just speculating anymore. Um, so I think this this is a great feeling. Um, it, it's, it's funny because as the year progresses during the season, uh, all the show sheets and stuff pretty much write themselves. All the yep. content during the week is scheduled. You, you know what you're doing. Um, so you kind of get into that groove, but by the end of the season, you're like, oh my God, I want to just like write what I want to write about and talk what I want to talk about. And then off season rolls around and you're like, I have nothing to talk about. I don't know what to do. So for the first couple of weeks, at least we're, we're really happy about, uh, about the shift here and, and what we get to chat about with each other. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm amped up. I'm ready for the season. Uh, finally we'll get like week one. I mean, week zero was a nice, nice little taste. I mean, you and I were both at a wedding, so we didn't really get to watch the games live, um, unfortunately. But week one, locked and loaded, ready to go. Starting Thursday, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like Colin said, I, I went back and was able to watch a couple of these games. Um, mm. Thank Shout out to some of these YouTube channels that put like the condensed version with no commercials and stuff uh, up so you can go back and, and watch a game in like 80 minutes or less if you really want to. Yeah. Um, cause that, that's what I did for a couple of these, uh, there were only what, six games, seven games, something like that this past weekend. So, um, so I think we're going to go through kind of what our weekly show show sounds like here on campus life. For those that are new, it's going to be basically the same show that we've done the, the past several years, kind of give you all the information here one go. Uh, and I think we've figured out, we, we've kind of figured out this is the way to do it. So, um, before we get into that and kind of outline how this is going to work here for the next 12 or 13 weeks or whatever, I do just want to get the housekeeping out of the way first in this one. I'm um, not going to talk a ton about it, but I do just want to real quick remind everybody again, because the season is starting, some of the things that we have going on here uh, to kind of get you guys set for the week, whether that's DFS, player props, betting, start sits, all, all those kinds of things uh, across different platforms so first off guys because we were announcing it wrong on the show which in fairness was not our <laughs> fault we didn't find out until very late uh in the off season here that this is how this is going to go but we in the past we've done two shows on saturday mornings we've done 8 a.m to 10 a.m over on better sports network and then we've done the tailgate on our youtube channel we're actually combining the two this year and if you tuned in last week the show was really good i got to watch it in its entirety uh, actually this morning but that show it's on better sports network 10 a.m to noon every single saturday eastern uh and that's simulcast on our youtube channel so you don't have to go elsewhere if you don't want to to tune into it weekly we're still going to be there uh and the nice thing is because it's simulcast a bunch of different places we see your comments come in we can respond to stuff live uh different starts to questions uh reactions to the day reactions to our takes things like that so 10 to 12 a.m. Eastern every Saturday, you can come hop in with us and we will have that show for you guys. We were we were wrong before, but we, we didn't know until a couple of days before uh, the last uh, we kicked off there. A couple other new shows on the different podcast feeds. And I, we have gotten a couple of questions. So we just want to make sure that all of this is clear. So we have our normal podcast feed that you are listening to right now. And that feed doesn't change a lot throughout the year. There are one or two seasonal shows uh, future freshman, for instance, which happens during the offseason, but is now over for the year. Uh, that one actually just gets replaced by a DFS show that comes out the same day. So, um, you know, there's no there's no real change there. But podcast lineup for the season, guys. 
on Mondays, we're still going to have Chasing the Natty, and that's going to be a waiver wire or more waiver wire specific show, I want to say. We're going to be here Tuesdays, Campus Life, same as always, technically late Monday night. So if you're a night owl or whatever, that show gets posted then. Um, we're going to still have Debbie Debate. We're still going to have uh, Back to Debbie on Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, like I said, instead of Future Freshman, we have Campus to Caching. The other change during the week on the main podcast feed is that there is a second episode of Chasing the Natty specifically for start sit decisions that the have the audience send in. They answer live or you know on air. So that one usually comes out Wednesdays. So that's really the only change to the main pod- podcast feed. That's what's going to be on there. We do also just have to say for this week, Colin and I are no longer on Canton Bound. I retired many weeks ago. Colin <laughs> had his send off this past week so even though it didn't really feel like you you retired air quotes yeah i retired because two weeks later we got into conference previews and i was just back on my wife was like i thought you said you quit i was like i did but um so i slept on the couch for a few weeks it was fine we're back we're back boys um canton bounds now run by the 4d chess guys if you've ever listened to their show south Harmon, they're a great group um they're they're hosting our nfl show now so we're very excited for that um, so that, that's going to be all them now, no more us. So yeah, you don't have to listen to us ramble about something that we're not experts in anymore. The other podcast feed that we have is for our NIL and all 22 members only. And that podcast feed is going to have some different shows on it during the season from a bunch of different contributors. And starting over there this week, you're going to have Michael Nelson, AKA at analytics on Twitter. Nelly, you might know him as is doing a weekly strategy show specifically for C2C, uh, something that we think has really been missing in the space. So um, all sorts of different uh, ideas he's already got uh, floating around for that show. We're also going to have Matt Waldman doing a show. If you don't know, Matt Waldman produces the RSP, has done that for 20 years at this point. It's been a long time. He's been doing it for a long time. It's a long time, yeah. I don't know if it's quite two decades, but it is a long time. He... uh, is a very well-respected person in the NFL draft community. Um, Felix actually does a show on his podcast feed with him, um, but he'll be doing a separate show on their um, random musings about different players as the season goes on. Uh, so we think that's going to be uh, great as well. Um, more shows will be added on there. Uh, for instance, I'm doing a solo, just kind of you know, uh, important takeaways from the week every Monday morning on there. Uh, but obviously not doing that this week because there were like six games. So that, that'll that start next week. But so two different podcast feeds there. If you have any questions, how to get access to one or the other, reach out to us at Campus to Canton on Twitter, Campus to Canton, gmail.com. At Debbie Deeds is me, at C2C Deckers, Colin. One of us can point you in the right direction there. So without further ado, Colin, let's tell the people exactly how the show works during the season. So we get, uh, we start off with the week in review. We obviously can't cover all the topics. We cover a handful, maybe even a little bit more of the ones that we find to be the most uh, interesting slash impactful for our teams moving forward. Um, So we usually cover actually a couple of games and then we'll pick out some random storylines where maybe the whole game wasn't interesting enough to talk about. But, you know, this this player got some run or or somebody got injured uh, or things like that. So that's always how we're going to start off the show. Um, We're going to do at least for the start of the season, we'll have waiver wire. So that'll just be players that we are recommending for waivers and we break it out into a couple of different sections. If your league has unlimited waivers, if you have limited waivers um, and then watch list as well. So we give you that information um, and then we do some start sits and we'll have that every week as well. That's a competition that Colin and I do 
throughout the season. If you haven't been on here before, we each picked 10 starts, 10 sits. Uh, we don't tell each other beforehand what they are. We come on here and then we say them. We go back and forth, kind of say why we're starting them, why we're sitting them. Um, we'll cover that more when we get there. If there are some rules that we follow um, for, for scoring purposes. But that's the general theme of the show. As the season goes on, we might start talking a little more about, you know, if you're not a contender, what should you be doing with your roster this week? Um, if you are a contender, who, who are we, who are we buying? What, what, what kind of moves we're making for the end of the year? Uh, things like that, that we'll kind of incorporate in. Um, and sometimes we do like a, a fact or fiction, uh, segment as well, but again, short slate this week. So we don't have a, a couple of those segments, uh, in here, but Colin, is that, does that sound good to you? Is that, that that's what we normally do? I just, I, I pulled a show yeah. sheet from last year. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what we did. Yeah, no, that's, that's basically exactly what we did. We hit some waiver wire stuff. Um, and then obviously the big start sit competition at the end. We're one and one. We are. One one. We are. We're one on one. Yeah. We're one on one. Yeah. Tiebreaker year. I'm excited. And as we describe like how we did, it, we're very strict with this. We are. Sticks. Yeah. So we go like 500 throughout, like slightly above 500 throughout the season. But like, yeah. Uh, the, the scoring is is fairly strict that we it's, do. It, so. Yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, probably it's tough. stricter than we should do. We if we wanted to make ourselves look good, but uh, right. Well, that's that's not what we're here for. We're yeah. not here to make ourselves look good. We're here to help the people. Yep. Exactly. And I think it, we'll get more into it as we get there. So let's yeah. start off with a week zero in review because there were you know uh, some interesting things that happened. I think overall, um, let's start off with the USC game, which was uh, one of the later ones there on the slate. USC San Jose State. Um, I don't think we need to talk about Caleb Williams at all. Caleb Williams was Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams will be Caleb Williams. Uh, no real takeaways there. Um, I, I actually think I want to start with Zachariah Branch. The true freshman wide receiver was our top freshman consensus as a group here at Campus to Canton. Uh, in the class was my wide receiver three. Where did he fall for you, Colin? Um, I believe I had him at two or three as well. Um, Jonte Cook was my one. I'm pretty sure I had him above Innis, but I was pretty high on Innis too. So he's right around there. I think I, I think three was the lowest any of us had him. Like, yeah, we all had him. Yeah, ranked I, very I'm, high. I'm not a recruit. I, I don't grade the recruiting, but we had him that high stuff. for good reason, mm -hmm. as we saw this week. Um, kind of uh, rem reminiscent of of Jalen Waddle, very similar size, very similar skill sets. Uh, stepping into a USC program that, uh, as we talked about all off season, they don't really have a guy there after Jordan Addison left. So. We thought that he could get some run pretty early here. Um, I mean, he was very productive, took a punt back for a touchdown uh, or a kickoff for a touchdown. I uh, had a couple of uh, catches as well. Um, got got some good snaps. I mean, if you look at, at how the snaps broke out here, he was uh, he got 22, which was middle of the pack for this USC offense, which granted. They not a great opponent. A Game flow was a, was a little interesting. Uh, might not be the norm to start out, but I mean, thoughts on Zachary Branching? I I'd said that I probably couldn't put him as my wide receiver one just due to the fact that there were other guys that I really liked, and he's like five eight five nine. But I think you know those concerns might go out the window pretty quickly here. Yeah, I mean, when you step onto the the field, uh, he, he, I mean, it's San Jose State, so like it's not UMass, it's not. 
uh, New Mexico State. You know, it, San Diego State is a G5 team, but they're not a tr- an atrocious G5 team. Um, so I, I think stepping on the field for your first collegiate game, fantastic performance. Um, you talked about the snaps that was distributed all over the place. Maybe we get a little bit clearer of a picture moving forward. But I think he is going to be a factor in this offense all year. Uh, and, you know, we kind of said at the beginning of the year, like, we think he's a good bet to not be a year one zero because of the special teams work that he would bring. We just weren't really sure what he would bring in the receiving game. I mean, he's almost he almost broke it as you know, at the year one zero uh, in the receiving game already, you know, he is well on his way. So yes, a lot of the concerns have started to be put to bed. The size thing is always going to be there. He's not just going to magically grow and get bigger and maintain that stupid level of athleticism, but that archetype can be successful in the NFL. We've seen it, um, you know, in a Tyreek Hill and a Jalen Waddle mold. You have to be a special player. And it seems like based on week one, uh, Zachariah Branch could be a special player. Yeah, I do. Um, I get the excitement because we haven't had real football in eight months or whatever. Um, and he was a very highly touted freshman. So seeing him go out there and perform like he did uh, is great. So this is not... I, I don't want to, for a lot of these players, just give sunshines and roses on them. Like There are things to talk about with all these guys, and I think there were some things that we just need to be cognizant of with Branch. The fact that his dot was almost at the line of scrimmage. like <laughs> Kind of gadgety usage a lot of times. We didn't really see him playing a lot of quote-unquote receiver in this game. Now, I think it's good that he can impact the game even if he's really still kind of raw on that that um you know mold as i think we as a group discussed him coming into college but i do think just being cognizant of the fact that he really was just getting the ball in space against a team that athletically was inferior to him just quite frankly um not even in the same ballpark um and and working like that so um obviously good things he has not moved in my rankings he probably wouldn't move in my rankings for a couple of weeks. If now, if he's still doing this game after game by week six, you know, maybe we have a little bit of a discussion, but he's already top 10 uh, at the position. Yeah. Uh, I believe that's I have the a thing. So I mean, there's, there's not a lot of room to maneuver upward at this point. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, most of us have him. I don't have the consensus rankings pulled up here, but he's my wide receiver eight right now. Um, he entered the season without even playing a snap at all of collegiate football in our top 10 for most of us. So that's a level of player we thought he would be. And it's really good to see that initial impact just right off the bat. Um, definitely makes you feel good about your evaluations. The other just uh, thought that I will toss out on him before we kind of keep discussing USC is that if you, if you saw this performance and you want to buy him, I <laughs> would, I would say do it. And I would say do it now. Like mm-hmm. don't don't wait a couple weeks if you want to kind of get on the ground floor here. Um, you might pay more than you would have a week ago, but if he has a couple more good games, you're not going to be able to buy him at the price that you might be able to get him for today. So if that's a priority for you, you want to go out and buy Zachary Branch, you weren't able to get him in your drafts this offseason, I would do it sooner rather than later. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think 
you said about getting in on the ground floor. We're already, I think, up on like floor two at this point. Um, for anybody who paid attention to the games this weekend, you they they know Zachariah Branch had a, had a really nice day, uh, and you can contextualize it with everything that we contextualized it with. But if somebody drafted Zachariah Branch, it was in the first round of their supplemental draft, and probably as the first or second wide receiver off the board. So they are likely also very high. So you're going to have to quote unquote overpay for him, but in the long run, it might not end up being an overpay. Yeah, just don't do anything stupid. Don't do anything stupid as you're yeah. looking to buy. NFL studs, don't trade them for just college players. Um, I, Beyond Zachariah Branch, I think this was an interesting distribution for the wide receivers. Uh, we talked a little bit about the snaps and targets. I pulled all those numbers here um, for us, and I do just want to run through them really quickly. So targets, Deuce Robinson actually led the team in targets with six. Uh, Mario Williams, Zachariah Branch, and Dorian Singer were second on the team with four targets each. Kyron Hudson uh, had three targets. Taj Washington and Relique Brown had two. And then Jacoby Lane, Brendan Rice, and Makai Lemon all had one. And I just pulled out the wide receivers here. Uh, one of the tight ends had a, a couple, and I think uh, one of the other running backs. Well, yeah, you already them. said Deuce Robinson. So, yeah, that wide receiver. That's what he's listed at. Um, <laughs> no, I was making a tight end joke. Yeah, it wasn't very good, but thank you for the effort. I appreciate it. Well, that's your opinion. <laughs> um, so those are the targets. I think targets are telling, but I also think looking at snaps uh, is actually kind of where I tend to go first. Yeah. Um, and try to use it in in you know hand in hand with targets. So snap snaps. Here's here's what we went with uh, this week. I believe is out of fifty five offensive snaps. I think they ran. Uh, Dorian Singer had thirty two. Uh, Mario Williams had 31. Brendan Rice had 27. Um, not a single target, so I thought that was interesting. Kyron Hudson had 26. Mikai Lemon had 20. Hmm? Yes, it wasn't open. because he wasn't open. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, Mikai Lemon had 25. Zachariah Branch had 22. Deuce Robinson and Taj Washington had 19. Relique Brown had 17. Jacoby Lane had 16. So um, all of this information together, Colin, anything stand out to you? about these numbers besides Brendan Rice not getting targeted a single yeah. time in this game. Um, yeah, actually, I mean, I'll, I'll stick with the freshman here and seeing Makai Lemon getting 25 snaps, uh, I think is very encouraging. Now, game script, who knows what this is going to be like moving forward, but the fact that he outsnapped uh, the other two freshmen, uh, the three freshmen, if you throw Jacoby Lane in there as well, um, and Taj Washington and Relique Brown, who recently moved to wide receiver, you know, the the snap share is encouraging. Like you said, that's one of the big takeaways that I try to have from week one, week zero, week one, week two, is I'm looking more at snap percentages. Targets definitely matter. But I want to see you out there on the field, because if you're on the field more, obviously opportunity you know, can come uh, more more easily. So the fact that he was out there on 25 snaps makes me feel better about his year one zero potential. That's one of the things that we had been talking about frequently this offseason is, is Mikhail Lemon going to be able to break that year one zero mold? I got a little scared about it. I'm not going to lie. I dropped him a couple spots. I had him, I think, as my wide receiver 12 overall. Um and now he's sitting down at my wide receiver 18. So it wasn't a you know precipitous drop, but I did start to drop him. 
Um, but this is this is an encouraging sign. Yeah, that wide receiver team was egregious, quite frankly. Um, I like his game a lot. I think he's going to I think he can translate and has a high ceiling at the NFL level. Um, yeah, still egregious, still really bad. Um, uh, he's actually what stood out to me the most as well. Cause I think, yeah, we're going to see enough snaps for him to break at least one threshold. I feel pretty comfortable on that. Now I do think it's going to be difficult to project this room moving forward. Um, for a lot of reasons, like I don't think San Jose state's a good opponent to draw large scale conclusions from, especially in week one. Um, and I think it's made extra tricky by the fact that we think the three best receivers in this room are all true freshmen who yep. typically take a few weeks to get up to speed. So uh, I don't feel great about taking too many large scale, you know, items away from this game at the wide receiver position, except for to say that I, I, I think our evaluation on the, the freshmen being the best players in this room by a lot is correct. And then that, um, yeah, that I think the one that I do want to say, Deuce Robinson looked very good. Very, very good. I still think uh, my opinion that I gave on what Debbie debate two or three weeks ago that I, I still think his value drops a little bit because his skill set at tight end is way more valuable just due to the nature of the position. I mean, we're talking about a Kyle Pitts level player here and Kyle Pitts um, we saw like his rookie sophomore year in the NFL was ranked just stupidly high yeah. because of what he could be at that position. So I do still think this hurts Deuce, that hurts Deuce Robinson from a, a, some base level, at least a little bit. But I do think that there, you know, this isn't uh Warren Jackson or Auden Tate or, you know, insert other tall wide receiver out there. Like I, th I think we're closer to a Vincent Jackson, Mike Evans situation here. So I'd be interested to see how this plays out. Yeah, I think it was definitely uh, encouraging to see his usage as well and to see how he stacked up, given that he played tight end before. You know, this was a position change for him. So uh, I was, I don't want to say skeptical about his move to the wide receiver position, but I do think his long-term NFL future is likely, uh, is still probably likely at the tight end position. But like you talked about before uh, with that, that's more of just like a designation. It's more how they're, how they're going to use him. Uh, and it seems like USC is going to use him frequently uh, as a wide receiver. They're not going to ask him to block at all. And I don't think that they would do that at the NFL level. So he does have a very high fantasy ceiling, even if it is going to be at the tight end position in the future. Um. The running backs, Marshawn Lloyd, Austin Jones, and Quentin Joyner all got some run. Which, again, how much of that is game flow and opponent dependent and how much of it was what they actually want to do with these guys. I know people were saying that Marshawn Lloyd looked back. I thought he looked pretty good from the clips I watched. This is not mm -hmm. one of the games that I was able to go back and watch all of uh, after the weekend. But I wasn't. like Everyone was, everyone was like, he looked amazing. I was like, I don't know. I thought Austin Jones looked comparable this week, which has kind of been the whole issue mm -hmm. for the two of them this offseason. Is like, is one actually able to separate himself from the other? I think it's going to be interesting to see. I still don't think Jones has like any real NFL value. So, I mean, if there, there's the tiebreaker, I, I do have Lloyd ranked higher for obvious reasons. Um, but I don't know that this is like a backfield that anybody becomes a bell cow. Cause I think they're talented enough there. 
um, that, and, and no one's so good that uh, there's a, a real difference between them. Yeah, I, uh, I'm definitely a Marshawn Lloyd tout. I've been, you know, a fan of his for a while. Uh, and it's, I don't want to say discouraging at all, because like you said, I think he looked pretty good. Uh, but Austin Jones also looked pretty solid as well. Austin Jones had that really nice run uh, where he cut it out wide and went down the sideline. And if he wasn't, if he was a better athlete, he would have broken it. Um but I, yeah, I think they both looked very comparable. Their usage was very similar as well. Lloyd had more carries overall, uh, but Jawson Jones got the first carry and was used around the goal line. So I think it's just going to kind of be a frustrating committee, at least to start the year for these two. Now, I do think, like you said, Austin Jones probably doesn't have much of an NFL future. Um, and Marshawn Lloyd probably, has a better shot at one um so maybe he marshawn lloyd ends up separating a little bit and turns it into a 1a and 1b but that's also uh a little bit of hope on my end as well uh i, I do think it's probably just going to be kind of frustrating there but quentin joiner though getting some run is definitely encouraging for the future yeah you look pretty explosive um so we we've been saying this offseason we think he's the next guy up there and i don't think my opinions changed at all um, on that. Yeah. Front. Yeah. I mean, the only thing you have to worry about Joyner is Lincoln Riley's propensity to going out and grabbing people in the portal. Um, he's uses them pretty heavily, but he might not have to do that. If Joyner looks as good as, uh, as uh, it looks as good as we think he can. Uh, for San Jose state. Um, no, Justin Lockhart. We knew that was going to be iffy for week zero coming back from an injury. Uh, Nick Nash, Charles, Charles Ross uh, ended up being the top receivers for them. These are squarely watch list players for me at the moment because Lockhart's still going to come back. They were also missing their starting t uh, tight end, Maziotti. So I, I don't, I on a week to week yeah, basis. Yeah, that one was I, frustrating. Yeah, I don't think we knew that too far ahead of that. No, game. he was listed as a starter on their depth so, chart. Um, yeah, I'd, I, 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 if especially if you have any sort of limitation on waivers, I would never pick up Nick Nash and Charles Rush today because I would never feel comfortable starting them. Now, maybe if they do this for two or three more weeks, then I'll say sure. But I, I just have a hard time believing that will be the case um, with again Lockhart and Maziotti both coming back at some point here. Yeah, I think I am more likely to buy into Ross. Um, I have him in one of our deeper leagues that we are in, like that's one of the 24 teamers. Um, I have, you know, a waiver claim in for him in another league, uh, that's deeper than your average standard format. And that was before this game too, um, that I had him. So I, and I, the reason I'm, I'm more in on Ross is because he offers a different skill set than Lockhart and Nash. I think Nash benefited the most from Lockhart being out. Uh, Ross probably actually benefited the most from Mazzotti being out, uh, given that Ross is this slot guy kind of operates closer to the line of scrimmage. So I, I agree. They are watch list players. If you're going to take a shot at one of them, it would be Ross for me. But again, that's more of a deeper league play, at least at this point. Uh Cordero threw it almost 40 times. I mean, I think that could be interesting volume to watch out for this year, but I don't think that's necessarily super surprising. The only other name that I want to toss out here for them is Quali Conley, who 
had six carries for 108 yards. Um, you know, not expecting him to average almost 20 yards per carry moving forward. But I think in terms of adding an explosive element to this offense, uh, he could be interesting. So, um, again, do not go out and pick him up uh, unless you're in like a 30-team league. Do not go pick him up. Um, but I think just an interesting name to kind of be on your radar moving forward. Uh, Notre Dame Navy. Um, <laughs> from a from a betting perspective, I'm going to be taking a lot of unders in Navy games this year because they are terrible. I'm very proud of myself that I have their uh, an under on their their uh, season win total at six and a half. Feeling very good about that after this game. Um, and I had a good amount of money on Notre Dame to cover. Um, which, <laughs> that, so that that felt good this weekend too. Um, so yeah, I, this is another game where I think it's really hard to take away any sort of overarching uh, items for the long term. Yeah. But I will say, I think, uh, as we kind of have said for a couple months now, this is probably Estime's job uh, for the large majority of carries. Uh, but they do have some other talented backs there. Jadarian Price, Jeremiah Love both got a couple of carries in this one as well. So, I mean, and I think those, we both agree, those are the top three backs on the roster by a pretty healthy amount at this point. Yeah, I think you're right. It is probably SMA's job to lose. Um, but Bram Payne got a little work in there too. He did. Just I think saying. he looked the worst of the four from what I saw. But <laughs> He probably uh, he did, did but he probably did, but he was getting some work out there. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that probably my biggest takeaways from this game are yes navy unders this year um and i uh i hit a nice uh same game parlay with notre dame and the under um because i felt pretty good about that one but we are so sharp on this show i hey i went four for four in my bets this so, week uh, mm -hmm. the only thing i played was the notre dame game i played that notre dame uh the same game parlay um, I think that one was I played on FanDuel and then DraftKings. I played like the just straight line for Notre Dame. Um, San Diego State minus two and a half uh, and then Hawaii to cover. So I hit all four of those. So who's the betting sharp now? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, other. Well, well, we'll get into the receiver room here. You have that noted. Yeah, no, no receiver room. Just go ahead, Colin. I mean, I think the uh, targets were really spread out. Um. I mean, I think the the big one that I think here is just the overreaction of Jaden Greathouse, who only mm -hmm. played a handful of snaps, um, had had the two touchdowns, um, a lot of blown coverages hanging around. Um, yeah. I'm not this. This has not changed his value in my head for me. I don't know why there are people acting like they're surprised on this because as we literally wrote in the freshman guide, like this receiving room is so embarrassingly thin that it would be awful if he's not seeing the field week one or week zero yeah. or whatever. Like he, he has to be out there. He probably isn't very good. And he went out there and he, he played fine. But I mean, I, this is not a change in my opinion of him at all. There was, there was nothing here that, that, um, you know, makes me rethink uh, his limitations. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think we were we but we we were we liked Great House. Um, we were a little bit higher on him than most of the other services. But the thing with Great House was like you said, there were yeah, he scored two touchdowns, but one he didn't really get that much separation on on that deep ball. It was just a really nicely thrown ball from 
Sam Hartman. And then the other one was just a completely blown coverage uh, where Sam Hartman scrambled, kept his eyes downfield and found him just wide open. Um, there were blown coverages left and right in this game, like you touched on. So I think it's hard to take anything away really from the wide receivers in this game. Um, I mean, the obviously anytime a freshman goes out and catches two touchdown passes in their first collegiate game ever, it is, it is impressive. You know, like that is something that is better than uh, the alternative. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Way better than the alternative. But I agree. We pumped the brakes a little bit on Jaden Greathouse. Let's see him maybe do it against an actual team. Um, no offense, Navy. And I think this passing game, this they Notre Dame pretty much did whatever they wanted. I mean, Sam Hartman went what, like 20 for 23, 250 yards, four touchdowns. Like that's he's never going to have a game. I don't want to say never, but that's that's as efficient as a game as you could possibly have. So let's let's give it another week before we start overhyping this passing game in general. I still think this is going to be more of a run heavy team. Um, I agree. Um, I just have a hard time taking any sort of things away from this game because of Navy. I just think Navy's mm -hmm. terrible. Navy might be the worst team in the country this year. Whoa. Okay. They're, they're terrible. They're terrible. Um, Maybe so. I should have gotten on that under six and a half. <laughs> you feel really, really good about that right now. <laughs> I, I, that one, I have that in Colorado's under when it first opened, and I just feel so good about both of those. That was at like six, too, wasn't it? No, it was four and a half. I got a four and a half with like basically very little juice on it. So I thought it opened a higher than that. No. no. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, what's the next game here we want to talk about? I don't think I have any other full games to talk about. No. Um, I wrote down the Curtis Rourke stuff. He left. Apparently it was a concussion or something. He kind of hobbled off the field, so I don't really know. But it sounds like he's going to play this week now. I've already seen that announcement. So, oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm not that worried about it. It wasn't his knee again, so that's great. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I mean, that's sort of encouraging. But concussions are also scary. Um. And then, like you, like you noted here, the backup is is not good. So definitely something you want to keep an eye on. Uh, if this injury, concussion, whatever it, it, it is, uh, does linger, that's gonna that's gonna impact this offense. Sounds like he'll be back. Is what they're saying now, and he was pretty good. I mean, I think Ohio wins this game, running away with it. If he if he doesn't get injured, um, they they kind of moved the ball at will. I mean, he was eight for ten. 75 yards to start this game um and i i do think they would have uh beaten san diego state pretty easily because i i don't think san diego state could <laughs> could hang with him I'm wiggles not... and bangura and i think in fairness i think a lot of g5 teams are going to have a hard time figuring out what to do with that trio yeah yeah i mean i as somebody like i said who earlier who bet on uh san diego state i definitely uh it was definitely done some favors in that one. I don't think I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be taking them again, but yeah, uh, that is a, a nasty offensive trio for sure. Uh, let's see here. The only other notes that I really had on here, uh, cause we we're not doing top performers this week. Just not enough games for that to be interesting. I think Hawaii's offense could be fun. And we heard all off season that they were so bad last year that they couldn't install the run and shoot in practice. They had to give it a year. And apparently they did. 
I, they, they barely lost this game to Vanderbilt, but they did not look out of place a lot in it. I was able to go back and watch the large majority of it uh, on YouTube here today. I don't have like a ton of huge thoughts overall, like on Hawaii itself. I think Braden Shager will look fine this year. I still don't think he's a stud, but I think he'll do okay leading that offense. Um, it's a lot of, if you're not really familiar with the run and shoot, there was a lot of tempo, not like crazy tempo, but they snapped the ball quite often with, uh, 15 20 seconds left on the uh, play clock so they're going to run some plays and it's a lot of you know six to 12 yard routes essentially it's it's not a lot of pushing the ball deep it's a lot of just you know you read the coverage see where the mismatch is you know a little six yard out eight yard out little you know slants there's nothing crazy at all about what this offense is doing but i do think it makes some of the receivers a little interesting uh, I've put in bids, I think, everywhere. Well, man, I hate doing this show because I just got to <laughs> freaking say what I'm doing. I've put in bids everywhere for Stephen McBride that I have waiver pickups this week who led this team in targets uh, with 10, had seven catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns. I, it just looks like he's playing in a position to get a ton of targets. So I, in this run-and-shoot offense for a team that didn't look very good defensively, yeah, I, I'm going to take a guy that I think could get 120 targets this season plus i mean that, that wouldn't be outrageous yeah i think this is an offense that uh, we're going to want to target um you know i was probably a year early on schrager i was you know interested in him last year because i thought this is what we could see from this offense now it turns out they were just abysmal last year so but now that they have the offense in place we're seeing it and like you said we're going to see a lot of volume and that's what we want from hawaii we want to see you throwing the ball all over the yard. We want to see bad defense and just high scoring games. Anybody who's up late enough to watch Hawaii on a Saturday night is probably they deserve a, this. Yeah. Yeah. They they deserve they deserve a fun game. And I think Hawaii is going to give that to them. Uh my big takeaway from that though is I think I was too high on um Tylen Hines. Tylen Hines is a guy that I was definitely um, interested in. I, I had him ranked fairly highly. And because of this, this run and shoot offense, like you said, it's a lot of short passes, getting the ball out very quickly. And the running backs in this offense, particularly the ones that we've seen in Hawaii before, um, there's been a lot of passing volume for them on top of, you know, whatever normal rushing volume they get. So I, th I thought Hines could have a really nice year this year. And that offensive split, um, it was, it was split pretty evenly between him and, and the backup whose name's escaping me right now, but, um, it doesn't seem like he is going to get the volume that I was expecting. I think the volume to the running back position will be what we were expecting, but it's, it's a split backfield and that, that scares me a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm lucky that I, I do have some Tylen Hines, but I mean, if you, you shouldn't have been drafting him as more than like your fifth or sixth running back mm -hmm. at, at best anyway. So I think in terms of uh, misreads, as long as it's not a league with minimal um, waiver ads throughout the year, or no waiver, waiver, uh, waiver ads, uh, you're probably not feeling awful about it overall. And like you said, there's still some room there uh, to get some receiving work, even if that's not necessarily something that the, um the run and shoot does a lot i think Hines can line up a little bit as a receiver as well so we'll see if that's uh gonna end up being the case he did get the same amount of attempts as landon sims the other back who i'm assuming that you were 
talking about there, yes. but Sims obviously outproduced him 38 yards to 15. So um, yeah, one, one to monitor there for sure. And I will say um, I think Vanderbilt is the kind of team that is just, I mean, what, what are they like the 35th ranked team in, in recruiting last year? Like, yeah, they're terrible in the sec because everybody else is top 20 in the sec and, and recruiting yeah. in the country. But uh, make no mistake, if you looked at them, you know, Vanderbilt's bigger up front, more athletic up front. Um, so I don't know that, again, I'm like, I, I don't think Hines is going to be a stud, but I don't think that Vanderbilt is like the best matchup for them either, either just, just based on the kind of athletes that are going to be out there on the field at any given time. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously not loving that, but it, it could be a lot worse in my opinion. I do actually just want to toss out one other thing, Colin. Um, because I don't think it's really a name that we talked about a lot this offseason, but it looks like it is potent- there's potential for Jaden Thomas to be the leading receiver for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And I think he's a guy that needs to be on your radar. He's available in a lot of my leagues. Um, and again, this could be an offense because we've seen Sam Hartman maybe favor a wide receiver or two in the past. But I also think a lot of the guys that he favored probably more talented than at least we think Jaden Th- guys like Jaden Thomas, Deion Colsey, Tobias Merriweather, you know, any of those kinds of guys, we think they're probably more talented at Wake Forest than these guys were. Um, and it could have also been a little bit of the function of the offense. So I am just kind of watching that. Jaden Thomas. Keep just, you know, write his name down, put him on your watch list, click that little star beside him off fan tracks, and uh, give it another week or two. Because, again, it was really hard. He, he led the team in targets, led the team in receptions, had a touchdown. But it was just – just such a speed yeah. bump scenario here that it's really kind of difficult to tell for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like you said, it's, it's kind of a wait and see approach uh, with Thomas, but I know on the um, chasing the natty show that they did with the bold predictions with Jared and Chris K, I can't remember who it is. And I apologize to, to the person who tweeted it out, but somebody said that, that Jaden uh, Thomas was going to have a fantastic year this year. Now I think they said like finishes a wide receiver one or something. Yeah, they did. Those I heard that it had to, it, it got a, uh, it got devil's anus level hot, I believe, but um, no, I mean, that was a good call. That's not somebody that we had ta- talked about very much this off season. Yeah. So I did just want to toss that out there just so you know, everyone's paying attention. Um, let's, uh, let's hop into waiver wire here, Colin, but before we do that, uh, prize picks guys, we are uh, doing, uh, a lot more prize picks content this year than we were last year. Um, quite frankly, we, we all play the lines too. Like we like making money. We want to make you guys money. Um, so if you have not used prize picks before, it's a really cool, um, just, uh, player prop website, essentially where you can go, um, um, more than or less than a certain amount of fantasy points or, or yardage or, or receptions or, or things like that. Um, and you can combine up to six of them together, um, in one ticket. Um, and you know, obviously the amount of money that you can win changes based on how many you've got in there. Um, Promo code C2C gets you an initial deposit match up to $100. And then obviously we are going to be giving out picks all season as well. So you can get $100 free dollars and then hopefully win some cash uh, playing what we're playing. So go ahead and check that out. Waiver wire, not a lot of names. Again, limited schedule. But we're going to try to toss out some here that I think are interesting. We just mentioned those Hawaii wide receivers. Um, Stephen McBride. Was the one I mentioned earlier, you know, again, 10 targets, seven catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns. They also had uh, Pofeli Ashlock had nine catches and he went seven for 127 and one. Um, 
I'm higher on McBride just on how they deployed him in the position that he plays on the field more so than Ashlock. And someone can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but that's the takeaway that, that I have here. Um, so, and with no, Pinocchio didn't even play, did he? Yeah, no. So he that could be another wrench in here. So that's why I'm not necessarily like totally gung ho. I have these guys under the uh, unlimited waivers category, Colin. Is that, is that a fair spot for them? Should I have put them in the limited waiver category? No, I think they're both in the unlimited waivers for now. If you did want to go add um, Stephen McBride, I would get that even if you have limited waivers. Um, Pofeli Ashlock, oh, he was named a starter, which is definitely good to hear. And he's a, is he a true freshman or a redshirt freshman? I don't remember which one. Um, but question. I don't know. He, he's a freshman. Um, of eligibility level, like level. So you got multiple years of him as well. So I, I get the appeal there, but um, Pinocchio coming back is definitely going to throw a wrench in that. So I do think that they should be in the unlimited waivers category. Um, I'm a little bit more skeptical in a limited waiver situation. Um, I also did put Braden Shager on here. I know there are some leagues where he is available right now. And again, like the passing volume is really what we're interested here. And just the, uh, because he's not a particularly good player. And we've, we've talked recently about kind of marrying the, uh, quality of the player's skill level versus the system that they're in. And I think this is a great example of a guy that probably isn't a very good quarterback, but playing out in the mountain West in an offense, that's going to throw the ball upwards 40, 45 times a game. Uh, feels really, really good. He had 350 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions in this one um, through 35 passes. So good volume. I put him in the unlimited waivers. But I do think if you're looking at a roster today that is really questionable at quarterback, um, I would consider taking him even in some limited waiver situations. Maybe not, um, you know, if you have four fewer in a season, maybe I'm not pulling the trigger after week zero, but if you've got eight, 10 in a season and there aren't a lot of quarterbacks on the waiver wire, I'd be fine taking him. There are other guys I'd probably prefer over him. Guys like I've seen Mitch Griffiths floating out there once or twice. If you drafted early in the offseason, I've seen Braylon Braxton out there. Those are guys that I would prefer over him. But I think overall, you know, if, you, if you've if you got some problems there at quarterback, you could do a lot worse than potentially diving in with him. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Braden Shager is a guy that is on that borderline as well. Probably a little bit closer to the I'm going to add him in, in, in a limited waiver setup. Um, like you said, if it's, if you get like four or fewer, I'm definitely more selective on that. Um, but yeah, I, I think Shaker was a guy that I thought could have a really nice year last year and I, this off season as well. I, I was, you know, I thinking he could have a really good year this year. So it's more the system. Like you said, they don't have a, an overwhelmingly hard schedule. I believe they get Oregon at one point. Um, but then the rest of it's the Mountain West, and there's a couple decent defenses out there. Um, but I think the volume is just going to be so good that he is going to be somebody that you can start in a pinch. Um, I, I guess, you know, we, we could throw Jaden Thomas on the list here. I, I did not include him because, again, I think he's more of a watch list guy. The other watch list name that I put down is Tyson Fomachon, the quarterback at UMass. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a real deep one, hence why I didn't include him higher up here uh we had heard some some buzz around umass that he had looked pretty good in the preseason and granted or in, in in uh in camp and i think overall you know looking good at umass is a little different than 
maybe looking good elsewhere. Fomachan's a guy that have, has failed elsewhere. And now he's at UMass. So, you know, the, the, the stink of failure, I think, was on him a little bit, making us a little nervous. But he had 96 yards rushing this week, uh, threw for almost 200 as well. Um, so I think if he can, uh, UMass kind of plays a softer schedule. If he, if you can get that kind of rushing production out of him on a weekly basis, he could be again, very interesting in deeper type of leagues. So, um, you know, not a, not a stud by any stretch, but I think I, I've got my eye on him. I've got some leagues that are 20 plus teams. I've watch listed him and all of them, I think, uh, after this week. Yeah, I think the watch list is appropriate for him. I'm not ready to add him yet. I mean, they played New Mexico state who, I mean, as far as worst teams in the country, like UMass, New Mexico State are are up there. So, yes, UMass doesn't really play that difficult of a schedule, but they're also not a very good team. And they won't be playing a bottom five team every week. So I, I am only watch listing him at this point. Uh, the one guy that I have to add for unlimited waivers is Shamari Lawrence, the running back for... Uh, Florida International. Um, now they played Louisiana Tech this week, who is, um, they're a, probably like, I don't have the ranks pulled up in front of me from C2C winning edge, but I would guess that they're around like 115. They've got to be bottom 15 or 20. Yeah. Got yeah. It. yeah. Got it. I would, I would imagine they're hanging out around that spot. Um, but his usage was definitely encouraging. Uh, he got 15 carries. He was pretty much the lead guy um there so i i mean he what was the lead guy but it, it was pretty much like a, a bell cow type of a role so if he can get that type of workload moving forward um if you need a running back and you're in a, an unlimited waiver league like he's a guy that i would definitely consider adding um he's a transfer from south dakota state into the uh so from the fcs level uh but good to see him step right into that role and the Former starter Lexington Joseph is out for the year, so it's really going to be his role moving forward. Yeah, I mean they they have to run the ball, as we saw this weekend. Yeah, just, <laughs> what what do they have? You said six yards passing or something like that. Uh, I I didn't say the number, but it was not. It was. Yeah, not I think a lot. I yeah. think they I think FIU had six yards passing. Yeah, so um, not and great. they have a soft schedule too. They get Maine this week. There you go. Um, and speaking of UMass, I mean, speaking of UMass soft schedule, they have Auburn this week, and then they play Penn State like two months from now. But other than that, they play Miami of Ohio, Eastern Michigan, New Mexico, Toledo, Arkansas State, Army, Liberty, Merrimack, and UConn. I mean, that's that's very very soft too. So yeah, um, some some uh, quarterbacks with uh, or some some players playing some weaker schedules here uh, overall to to watch list and, and keep an eye on. Let's get into these early week start sets, Colin. And I do um, want to kind of lay the ground rules here again. Go ahead. Four, four pass yards. Sorry. I four pass yards. Okay. Sorry. Four. I over, I increased it by 50%. <laughs> yeah. You way overshot it. <laughs> um, early week start sets, guys. So here's what we do. Uh, we rapid fire 10 starts, 10 sets. Uh, we do not tell each other the list ahead of time. So sometimes we do have uh, overlapping names. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not this week. I, I don't know. Um, but we, uh, we always we, have like one or two. We do. We do. Um, and we usually we will give like some sort of short explanation as to why. Mm -hmm. And that usually consists of, you know, the, the game total super low. This team is really good defensively. This wide receivers quarterback is out. Like usually give a couple of reasons. This week's a little 
more difficult because we have very little data to <laughs> yeah. go on other than gut. presumed uh how we think their opponent is to, you know to, from a you know a, a, how good they are so um you're gonna hear a little more like hey, he's playing a bad team i mean that's kind of it we think they're good <laughs> we think they're bad uh but as the season goes on and we get more and more data uh we tend to uh be a bit more i don't know we, we a little more expansive a little more scientific reasoning yeah it's a it lot is. of gut feel today though yes um so yeah we we um for a player to be a hit as a start for a skill guy they have to be over 20 points at wide receiver running back for tight end 15 and then for quarterback they have to have more than 25 points so they don't hit those thresholds they're not a hit and then for sits uh, the skill guys have to be under 12 points and the quarterbacks have to be under 15, I believe. I think that I don't remember if we bumped that up to, to 17 or 18 a little bit later in the offseason. I don't know. Let's just do let's was. just do 17 and a half. 17 and a half. Yeah, I let's do 12 it. and a half and 17 and a half this year. Colin, Perfect for the Perfect. Skill OK, OK, just we're all on the same page. here. Yep. Perfect. Um, and if we say sit and a guy goes over that, that's wrong. Uh, yes. We keep score every single week. Um, home field bet this year, Colin. Yeah, I like okay. it. Yeah, because okay. like I said, we're one and one. Yeah. So this is the tiebreaker. Okay. That's a lot of pressure. Okay. Actually, I want to change mine. Give me, give me a minute here. <laughs> All right. Um, speak uh promo code campus to Canton over there. Of course, we're gonna use that promo code on our bed. Of course, duh, yeah. Duh. Duh. And you should too. You should too, <laughs> lovely listener. All right, Colin. Um, let's start off with our starts. Uh, do you want to start or do you want me to start? Um, I won last year, so I'll let you go first. Okay. And then you you go first on sits. Yeah. Okay. All right. Start Stephen McBride again this week against Stanford. I like the volume you saw last week. I'm not sure that Stanford is going to put up a lot more of a uh, fight defensively than Vanderbilt did last week. I think this is a case of riding uh, this offense until I see them not do it. So that I'm, I'm going with Stephen McBride, wide receiver against uh, Stanford this week. I think that's very fair. I, it was a guy I was considering, um, I, but just not knowing Pinocchio's status this early in the week. I didn't want to go that route, but I like the call. Uh, my first start is Mitch Griffiths, um, quarterback Wake Forest. They get Elon this week, uh, so the Fighting Musks. Uh, and the only game that we saw Mitch Griffiths start last year uh, was week one against VMI, another cupcake opponent. And he went 21 of 29 uh, for 288 yards and three touchdowns. Um so I, I think we could see a very, very similar stat line in this game here. I, I don't think there's going to be uh, – Elon's not going to put up much of a fight in this one. I'm telling my brother-in-law you said that. He attended that lovely institution. <laughs> um, next one up for me, I'm starting Ricky White, UNLV wide receiver against Bryant. Last year in the home opener against Idaho State, comparable opponent, Ricky went eight for one – or eight for 182 and two. As a receiver, um, I think the go-go offense coming in here, I, I have some pretty high hopes for um, for for the whole offense. I think Doug Brumfield, I think we've talked about on this show, is a little bit of a sleeper, depending on the matchup this year, too. But I, I like Ricky White in this matchup. I don't see how he goes under 20 fantasy points this week, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, yeah, my next start is Devin Neal, uh, running back at Kansas uh, we kind of yo-yoed with him at times last year, uh, but he is the only RB listed solo on the depth chart for Kansas this year. He is listed mm -hmm. as the running back one. And then there are four 
running backs with the or tag for the running back two. I am assuming that that means he is going to be the lead guy and they're just going to kind of rotate guys behind him. Um, we'll see how that ends up shaking out, uh, but they play Montana state in this one. So honestly, Devin Neal is a good enough player that even if he doesn't quite get that, you know, RB one type workload and it is a little more one, a one B or however they shake it up, uh, Montana state's bad enough and he's good enough that he can still hit that for you. I'm starting to Jordan running back at Louisville against Ooh. Georgia tech this week. I think Georgia tech I've heard, Everyone I trust, they think they're going to be a little bit better this year. The new staff in there, it seems like they did pretty well getting some guys out of the portal, both offensively and defensively. But I don't think this is going to be a week where Louisville really struggles a ton. I think they're going to move, be able to move the ball pretty well. They are 10-plus uh, point favorites in some of the C2C winning edge stuff, at least from what I looked at. So uh, our numbers think that they should be ahead for the majority of it. And I think Jordan is still kind of the only running back that they trust on that roster right now or that they have a good feel for how he would do in an actual game. So I expect, especially early in the season to him to get uh, the bulk of the work there. And he's also a very capable pass catcher as well. So when shock me, if he gets a couple of catches every single week as well, ends up, you know, 25, 30 catches on the season that I think that's a, a fair prediction for him. So I, I like him this week. I think, you know, he gets in the end zone probably at least once too. That's fair. Um, I, my next start is uh Luther burden wide receiver for Missouri. Um, this one might be a little bit low-hanging fruit, but I know there's been some uh, doubters this offseason, um, but I think Luther Burden is going to be the focal point of this offense. They bring in the offensive coordinator, Kirby Moore, from Florida or from Fresno State. I think that's an upgrade. Uh, I think he's going to have a good year, and it's going to start off on a really good note against South Dakota State. Um, Luther Burden is the type of athlete that could just take one to the house um, at any time against a team like South Dakota State. Um, yeah, I think that might have been a little too obvious. And by the way, this is non-obvious name. They're supposed to be non-obvious. Luther but... Burden was was a little bit of a cheat code on my end. They've all been cheat codes compared to my list so far. Um, <laughs> start Preston Stone against Louisiana Tech. I don't need to see it from him first. Okay, well, now, now we're... Now we're back. <laughs> so start Preston Stone. I think he's going to have a nice uh, nice week this week. Uh, I am going to start your boy, Rodney Hammond, against Wofford. Go Terriers. Um, I haven't seen the depth chart for Pitt, but there was rumors that um, that Davis was going to getting a lot, was getting some looks as well, right? Who? Um, who's Who's the Davis for them? Vincent Davis is gone. No, there's another Davis there, too. They had another guy. I don't remember who it was. There's another running back that was talking about, they were talking about splitting work for him. But I think it's going to be Hammond um, is the guy. So, and that's a soft matchup there as well. Yeah, very bold, very bold of you to pick a guy that our CFF team thinks is, you know, a top 20 back this year. Um. All right, moving forward. Uh, I'm going to start. So this, this is a tough one. Uh, Daquan Finn is my next one. Ooh. But I think I'm saying because they play Illinois and it's going to be one of the tougher games on their schedule overall this year. I don't think this is the kind of matchup where I'm that scared of Illinois overall. Now, you might have some better options. Quarterback this week was especially difficult to kind of navigate in this because a lot of them just have such soft matchups that you might not want to play Finn. But I think... I'm not worried about Illinois. I think they lost enough 
last year from that defense, specifically in the, the back end of things, um, that he should be fine passing the ball. And he'll, he, he usually has a pretty good rushing floor too. Uh, Derek Davis, Derek mm, Davis okay. Jr. Um, for Pitt. So I had to look that up. Um, no, I, that, that's interesting. I'll, uh, I'll talk about, uh, I'll talk about Finn maybe a little bit later. Mm. We might be on the opposite side of that coin. Um, my next start is Jaquavis Marks running back for Mississippi state. Um, I think this Mississippi state team is going to be pretty bad this year overall. Um, but they are going to be more of a run heavy team. Um, and I think that, um, Jaquavis Marks is going to benefit from that. He's not really that great of a runner between the tackles, but they also don't really have uh, another option in this backfield. And they get South Louisiana or Southern Louisiana or something like that. So it's a soft matchup. Um, this might be one of the only times you are going to feel good starting Jaquavis Marks this year. I'm starting both Akron wide receivers this week. Ooh, Alex okay. Adams and Daniel George in our rules. Okay. That means both yeah. of them have to hit for this mm-hmm. one to count. This is not count as two separate players. Correct. I like them versus Temple this week. They're 10 point dogs. It wouldn't shock me if they actually win this game. I think, and I, as we talked about before the show, and I went and I tried to look up the, the, the line, the, the line. Um, I actually might like the over on this game too. What was the line? Like 56 and a half. I, I, I think both these teams might just kind of go back and forth for a little while. So, Suffice to say, I, I like Adams and I like George this week, both of them. Okay. Um, well, uh, my next start here is Casey Thompson, um, quarterback at FAU. Um, he was named the starter. There was, you know, Daniel Richardson transferred into, but it was pretty much assumed that it was going to be Casey Thompson's job, was named the starter. Uh, and I think that Casey Thompson is going to have a really nice year this year with, um, uh, former Texas head coach. Why is it blank? Why am I blanking? Herman. Herman. Yeah, thank you. Um, with Herman at the ha- at the helm, uh, and they get Monmouth uh, to start and open the week here, so they get to ease into that schedule. Um, I'm not scared off by what's going on in Utah right now. Going into this Florida game, I'm still starting Jaquindon Jackson in this matchup. I think it's going to be close to the line, <laughs> but I think if they're going to move the ball at all. I think it's going to be via Jackson. And if they have, I think regardless of the quarterback that's in there, because I think if Cam Rising plays, he is not healthy enough to be running a ton like he usually does. Uh, And if it's the backup, like I just think they're going to be targeting if they're trying to pick up some short yardage stuff. Like Quentin Jackson might catch five passes in this game just due to how injured, banged up they are at other spots. So I still like Jackson uh, in this game versus Florida. I'm not touching anybody else on that team. I'm probably not starting anybody else in this game this week, but I do like Jackson. Uh, another player we might be on the opposite side huh. of. There we go. Um, my next start here is Treshawn Ward, uh, running back K-State. Uh, he got the dreaded or with uh, Giddens, but that's not going to scare me off, at least in this matchup against uh, Southeastern Missouri. Um, and I still think Ward is the more talented back here. Now, this offseason, I think uh, Giddens was a, was a really good value, but I just think Ward's a better back, and I think he's going to lead the team in carries this year. I think he's going to um, – he'll have some pass and game work as well. 
people kind of forget how good he was at Florida State. Uh, and I think he'll remind him, everybody of that uh, in this one. Um, next up for me, I'm starting Cody Schrader. I'm going a different direction in that South Dakota game. Um, I, I consider I think, Schrader. I, I like Schrader. I think I think he's going to have a pretty good year. And I just they've got that Fresno State OC in there, and he's talking about a running back coach talking about, you know, I know a thousand yard rusher when I see one, and and Cody Schrader's a thousand yard rusher. So awesome, great team up. One of the softer games on their schedule. Yeah, I, I like him this week quite a bit. Okay. Uh, my next start here is Emory Jones, quarterback for Cincy. Um, they get Eastern Kentucky, soft matchup. And Emory Jones is the type of athlete at quarterback that is probably a better athlete than 90, 95% of Eastern Kentucky's uh, entire team. So, and I say that without actually knowing their roster, but I feel pretty good about that. Um, so I think Emory Jones, despite his limitations as a passer, is going to have a nice week this week. Um, I like TJ Sheffield this week. Hmm, okay. The wide from Purdue against Fresno State. Fresno was um, stingier than I think most people would have guessed against the past last year, but against some of the better teams that they played on their schedule, they they were still slightly vulnerable. I do think that TJ Sheffield is the guy at Purdue this year. Um, so I, I think he's going to have a pretty good uh, game in this one. Um, I think this game, it actually ends up being a little a little higher scoring than they anticipated to. I'm not playing around with that line. I think it's at 46 and a half or something like that. But I do think there's a chance that this you know, goes 50, 51, 52 points. So I, I think that, um, you know, I, I, the game total doesn't scare me off either. Uh, my next start is Dante Thornton, wide receiver for Tennessee. Uh, they released that depth chart and he and Squirrel White both got the or tag. But I think I'm comfortable starting both of them, honestly. Um, I Squirrel White, I'm definitely comfortable starting uh, against Virginia. Virginia's not a very good team. Um, and I think that Tennessee is going to be able to uh, run this up on them. And Dante Thornton's the type of guy that could uh, take one catch to the house. So he could have two catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Honestly, he's that, I think he's that type of a guy. So I'm going to go with Dante Thornton this week. I'll put a big home field bet on that stat line. Not happening. Um, okay. Yeah, no, it's it. not going to happen, but you know, you know what I mean? I was waiting for you to be like, yeah, two for 120, a touchdown. I'm like that, like barely still gets into, <laughs> gets into 20 by the way. And I feel like you realized that as well as you were saying. So it. I added so a like, second touchdown. Yeah, yeah you did. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. What happened? Mm -hmm. uh, I know yeah. you, I know you. <laughs> um, so my last one, I think you're going to give me some shit for, but well, I, think, I had, I had at least one to get shit for. So I think even with the uncertainty around Rourke, and how Ohio looked last week, and how they distributed the carries. I still think Sia Bangor is a start this week. They're playing uh, LIU. Uh, last week, the carries were split 15 for Bangor, a six for Ocean Allison. And like, I do think Ocean Allison could be a thorn in his side a little bit this year um, because he's not a terrible uh, running back. He's definitely a competent uh, backup. But I think that with Rourke kind of coming back and then I think they're going to be a little more cautious with him. I think that means that Bangor is going to get a ton of carries. I think he's going to hit over 20 carries in this game. And I think he catches a couple passes as well. It wouldn't shock me if CA Bangura has the highest running back fantasy score on in, in the game this week. That would not shock me at all. 
but I, okay. I think he's, I think in this scenario, um, you know, everyone says, you know, he, everyone thinks he's good. Yes. But I think with some of the peripheral things, they're not scaring me off. I'm still fine playing him this week. When you contextualize it and when you say you think he could be the highest scoring running back this week, I think that's fair. I mean, like I said, I had um, one or two low hanging fruits as well. Uh, my last start is Ashton Jeanty, running back, Boise State. Uh, they get Washington this week, and Washington plays with tempo. Uh, Washington can score on pretty much anybody. Uh, that offense is going to be very, very potent. Boise State is going to have to um, try to score and keep up with them. And I think that that's going to be good for this offense as a whole. Uh, but I think that's really going to help GT out, who is a very good pass catcher uh, in the backfield. So if Boise State's run, playing from behind, it wouldn't surprise me to see GT actually even out-touch Halani in this game even if it doesn't necessarily happen all year, just the way the game script is going to work out for this one. So I do like Ashton GT this week. Um, all right, Colin, name your 10 here again real quick, and I'll name my 10, and then we'll uh, we'll go into the sits. All right, I have Mitch Griffiths, quarterback Wake Forest, uh, Devin Neal, running back Kansas, Luther Burden, wide receiver Missouri, Rodney Hammond, running back Pitt, Jaquavis Marks, running back Mississippi State, Casey Thompson, quarterback FAU, Treshawn Ward, running back K-State, Emory Jones, quarterback Cincy, uh, Dante Thornton, wide receiver Tennessee, and Ashton Gene T, running back Boise State. All right, and I have uh, Stephen McBride, wide receiver Hawaii, Ricky White, wide receiver UNLV, Jawar Jordan, running back Louisville, Preston Stone, quarterback SMU, Alex Adams and Daniel George, wide receivers from Akron, Daquan Finn, QB Toledo, Jaquin and Jackson, running back Utah, Cody Schrader, running back Missouri, Sia Bangura, running back Ohio, and TJ Sheffield, wide receiver Purdue. All right, sits, Colin. Let's uh, let's hop right into those, and you uh, get to kick us off. All right. Um, my first sit that I have is Jaquin and Jackson. Uh, running back Utah, um, I am worried about a couple of things in this game. You talked about um, Cam Rising. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? I'm not sure, but I'm also not really necessarily sure that it matters all that much. Uh, and then the backup, because of how hobbled he would be if he would be out there. And the backup quarterbacks, uh, Brendan. it was Brendan Rose. He got lit up in practice. I'm not actually even sure who the starter is going to be right now if it isn't Cam Rising. but I. There, it's their third string quarterback. It's not going to be very good. I think Florida can load up uh, on the box and can really force Utah to try and beat them with the passing game. And I don't know that Utah is necessarily going to be able to do that. Um, Florida has some some big boys on the D line, so I am worried about Jaquin and Jackson. And then I'm I like Jaquin and Jackson, and I think he's going to be the lead back there. But they have just enough. Uh, there's been just enough buzz about Makai Bernard that I'm not completely sold that Jaquinta Jackson runs away with the job. So I need to see it week one as well. I am sitting Malik Neighbors, LSU wide receiver against Florida State. I don't love this matchup. I think Florida State's a pretty tough defense this year. Uh, last year in this same matchup, Jaden Daniels barely threw for over 200 yards. Now, granted, that was his first game with a bunch of these guys. So I do expect a slightly better performance. Um, but I, uh, I've been lower consistently lower on neighbors from a Debbie perspective. 
from a CFF perspective this year. Um, and so I'm, I'm fine being a little lower on him in this game as well. Uh, my next sit here is, <laughs> it's a guy we talked about earlier in the show. Um, you might give me a little bit of shit for this one, but it's Jaden Greathouse. Um, look, don't overreact to that first game. Uh, and they do play Tennessee state here. So like th this could be similar to what we saw last week against Navy. Um, but I'm still not overreacting to it. I still don't trust Jaden Jaden Greathouse. There wasn't quite enough volume there. Um, you know, anytime you score two touchdowns on three catches, it's tough to repeat that the following week. Um, so I still like Jaden Greathouse as a player, but I'm not starting him this week. Well, it's funny that you went that route because I said let's sit Zachariah Branch. Um, I think people are going to oh, be really interested in starting him after last week, but I think that's a really bad idea. I would never do that, especially with week one with all the really, really soft matchups. All right. Uh, my next sit here is Shador Sanders, uh, quarterback for Colorado. Um, look, they play TCU, and TCU is not the same team that they were last year that made it to the playoff, but they're still going to be a good team. And I have no idea how this Colorado offense is going to gel. I need to see it this week. I also feel like this is going to be a really bad game all around for Colorado, which is obviously why I'm saying to sit Shador Sanders. Um, so I'm probably even going to need to see it next week as well out of these Colorado, out of this Colorado team uh, before I even really trust anybody on here. But I am not definitely not starting Sanders this week. I am also not starting Shador Sanders this week. I had a feeling uh, based on the way you were uh, uh, laughing or, or, or nodding your head there. <laughs> Um, my next sit is the UCLA RBs, um, Carson Steele and TJ Harden more specifically, but uh, I'm not starting either of them this week. They get Coastal Carolina. Uh, that team isn't quite the same team that's going to strike fear into even power five teams hearts like they were a couple of years ago, uh, but I still think they're good for a G5 team. I don't know how the split is going to play out here either. Um, our projections currently have Harden projected for 14 points and Steele projected for 12. So they are hovering right around that line. Um, I, I, I'm, I need to see how this breaks out before I would start either of them. So I'm sitting them both. Me too. <laughs> I had a feeling we would have some, uh, some sames here. Uh, my next sits. Uh, I'm sticking with the the theme of rooms. I'm sitting the South Alabama wide receivers. Um, I don't really know how the volume is going to shake out between these guys. Um, seems like Devin Wasson is going to be the presumed leader, but he plays in a different role than the um, guy who had led them last year, um, Jalen Wayne, um, on the outside. That's more like Cullen Lacey or Javon Ivory. Um, and Ivory isn't even listed as a starter right now. And Cullen Lacey um, is. But I, I don't really trust this room just yet. I want to see how it shakes out. Plus, they play Tulane, who is a good G5 team as well. Um, so, And I think Tulane is probably going to um, give, give them a little bit of trouble. So I... I'm avoiding the whole room this week. 
I am sitting CJ Donaldson this week against Penn State. I've been very on the record as saying that I think this West Virginia team is going to be terrible. I think they're going to be worse than a lot of models predict. And I think Penn State, pretty good front seven. I think Donaldson just does basically nothing in this one. Yeah, I actually am also sitting Donaldson. I agree. Um, I think West, um, West Virginia is going to struggle to move the ball. I'm actually on the under in this game as a whole. Well, I'm actually sitting the quarterback on the opposite side of this game, too. That's a try. Sitting Drew Alar this week. No, I think this is just going to be a cruise control game, quite frankly. Yep. And I still don't trust the receiver room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I I agree with that. I didn't list him, but I agree with that. Um, s- sticking with the theme of rooms, um, I'm sitting the San Jose State wide receiver room this week as well. Um, I'm sitting Justin Lockhart, whether he's healthy or not. I'm sitting Ross. I'm sitting Nash. I'm not overreacting to that week one performance uh, because we don't know exactly what this offense is and this touch distribution is going to look like with a healthy Lockhart, with a healthy Mazzotti. Um, I don't, uh, we don't know if they're going to be back this week. We don't know if they're not, but they get Oregon State this week, who is a tougher defense than USC, who they played last week. Um, so I, and Oregon State is also the type of team that's probably going to try to take the air out of the ball a little bit. Uh, especially with these new clock rules. So I am sitting all of the San Jose State wide receivers. I'm sitting Terrell Vaughn versus Iowa. I think this one's a little risky because I think there's some potential here for them to just be down the whole game, frustrated, and just kind of <laughs> pitching it around. Um, and that that is and a he scenario gets that like 10 catches. <laughs> yes, for like 65 yards. Yes, that yeah. could very well happen. Um, in which case I lose this, but I think the more likely scenario is that this is just a stinker for the entire team. So, uh, I'm not starting Vaughn this week. All right. Uh, I am sitting Trey Benson, uh, this week running back for Florida state. Uh, they get LSU this week. I think this is just going to be a really good game all around. Uh, I still think Trey, uh, Jordan Travis is like, this is, if he is going to have a Heisman caliber year he needs to have a big game week one against lsu uh so i think we could see some some rushing out a a good amount of rushing out of jordan travis i think he could vulture some touches around the goal line as well and i think lsu um they just perennially have a very good defensive line harold perkins is probably the best linebacker in the country overall um so i I think that benson is going to struggle a little bit in this one I am sitting Jeff Sims this week, quarterback against Minnesota. I do think Sims can be a sneaky guy a few weeks this season, but it sounds like it's supposed to be uh, one of those kind of crazy windstorm type days uh, for this one. So I actually think, I mean, I didn't go on record <laughs> with this, but I'm probably not starting anybody in this matchup if I don't have to. But uh, Jeff Sims specifically uh, is a guy that I'm not uh, not rolling out there this week. Yeah, I almost said I'm sitting everybody in that game, but then the more I thought about it, I was like, well... Has that ever worked out for us, ever? <laughs> no, not it's really. It's basically just taking a, an O like an, an for 1 or on Yeah. Um, plus, I was like, I don't even know necessarily who out of this game that you would want to start every week. Jeff Sims is probably the only one on either of those teams that I feel good about at this point. I'm curious to see how good Nebraska's offensive line is. Cause I do think mm-hmm. if they are giving the ball to Irvin 20 times a game, I do think he'll have a handful of nice games this year, assuming mm-hmm. that he uh, keeps the job the whole year, but I right. am 
excited for that. Yeah. But otherwise, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they'd probably rotate running backs harder on Minnesota. Ethan Kaliakmanis. Thank you, Kaliakmanis. Is not good. I don't like any of the wide receivers there. Um, So, yeah. Maybe Brevin Spanford. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, My next sit is Marquez Cooper running back for Ball State. Um, They get Kentucky this week, so I would be hesitant to play him regardless uh, against that type of a matchup. But he was also listed as an or on the depth chart this week um, that they released. So that worries me a little bit. I think at the end of the day, he is the best running back on that roster. He's probably the best offensive skill player that they have overall. So I'm not too worried about it long-term, but the combination of the or and playing Kentucky, uh, I'm definitely avoiding Cooper this week. I'm sitting Grayson McCall against UCLA. Um, I just don't know exactly what this offense is going to look like yet. I'm not, we've talked a bit about them and I'm not completely full fading the whole team, but I am not super comfortable uh, projecting what it looks like over the next few weeks in UCLA, uh, obviously a more, uh, one of the more talented teams are going to play this year. Yeah, uh, definitely somebody I was considering there. Um, I am sitting, uh, this is actually, I think, my last one because we had some sames in there. Um, But I'm sitting Daquan Finn, um, quarterback Toledo against Illinois. Yes, Illinois did lose some talent on that defensive side of the ball. Um, But they still have uh, the one guy in the trenches, Newton, um, he's still very good. I still think they're going to have some, uh, they're going to have a very good defense this year as well. Maybe it's not quite dominant like it was last year, but it's going to be a good enough defense that I think they can dominate a team like Toledo. Uh, and I also think Illinois is going to take the air out of the ball again. And the, the new clock rules, uh, this is going to be, I think, be a low scoring game. The worry with Finn is the threat that he brings with his legs that, you know, I think he can, with his legs, he could probably get over 15 fantasy points there. But I think it's going to be really close. Um, so I'm not risking it this week. Uh, last one for me is Taylor Green. I'm not playing him this week versus Washington. You have to have a better option than that. Uh, there is a chance that, I mean, this game is 50 to 40, but I'm not risking it with some of the other guys that have very easy matchups this week. Okay, fair enough. All right. Uh, name your 10. Okay. Uh, I have Jaquindon Jackson, running back Utah, Jaden Greathouse, wide receiver Notre Dame, Shador Sanders, quarterback Colorado, the South Alabama wide receivers, the UCLA running backs, the San Jose State wide receivers, uh, Trey Benson, Marquez Cooper, Daquan Finn, C.J. Donaldson. And at least one of those rooms is going to burn you. I know it. Probably. I Probably. Know. Uh, Feeling have, spicy in week one. I have Malik Neighbors, LSU wide receiver. I have Zachariah Branch, wide receiver at USC. Shador Sanders, Colorado quarterback, UCLA running backs. CJ Donaldson, West Virginia running back. Uh, Drew Lar, Penn State quarterback. Terrell Vaughn, wide receiver at Utah State. Jeff Sims, quarterback at Nebraska. Grayson McCall, quarterback at Coastal Carolina. And then Taylor Green, quarterback of Boise State. Okay. Right? That's going to do it. A little bit of a shorter show here for week zero. Uh, expect about 
40 more minutes of uh, content uh, <laughs> once once games really start up here again. Yeah. Um, happy that the season's here, guys. Um, head on over to campscan.com. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think just we're the place to be if you like college football and you're you're uh, trying to win some money this year. So uh, that's our goal. That's our goal for you. Uh, and I think we approach everything uh, with uh, those two things in mind. So, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for tonight's show. See you guys next week on Campus Live. Oh, oh, that's crazy. But don't fear. Canton Bound is still here. And I'm looking forward to the initial show here with the 40 chess guys. Until then, guys, I'm Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.